0: All right, sorry, man. No worries All right. you ready to you ready to keep going on yeah. NBA Clunt Danwin
1: <laughs> Clunt Done. <D-win? laughs> Clunt-
0: everybody and welcome back to the first rankings episode of the Football Observe Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco here with our rankings extraordinaire, Walker Kelly. Walker, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Uh, Doing better now that I've been called an extraordinaire. (laughs) That's good good stuff.
0: Uh, Would you rather be called an extraordinaire or an impresario?
1: Mm, I think extraordinaire because more people will know what that means.
0: Okay, and apparently an impresario isn't something impressive. It's just somebody who finances concerts, plays, or operas.
1: Really? So, oh, well, de- definitely yeah. not that one, though. That doesn't make yeah.
0: sense. Yeah, an impresario sounds like there should be some gravitas to it, but it's just a guy with money.
1: <laughs> that ridiculous. makes sense. Yeah. The so, guy with uh, money was like, how can I make myself sound cooler?
0: Yeah, it was uh, just instead of being like, guy who spends money. What sounds cooler than producer? Or financier. Anyways, this is our first uh, rankings podcast episode. Uh, we decided to put this out as a podcast instead of a two-hour Wednesday Twitch stream so that we could be a little bit more concise uh, with what we want to do and what we want to say and uh, actually send people, people over to the rankings. So Walker's rankings now go up on Tuesdays at footballobserver.com. They get updated on Thursdays as well with new injury news and all that stuff. And... Um, yeah, so if you go to footballstreet.com, again, like I mentioned, up at the top, there's a button that says Weekly Ranks. Just click it, and it takes you to the Weekly Ranks, which were formatted nicely until Donovan Peoples-Jones or Mondre Stevenson. And um, it looks like Rookie Seals-Jones broke the table because they're too long, so now you have to scroll over. <laughs> so... Um, Walker, let's start with the quarterback. So, uh, up on the website, you got 25 guys ranked. I guess we'll start with uh, who was the hardest quarterback for you to rank this week? The guy that you thought had the biggest range of outcomes.
1: Hmm. Uh, it was tough to place Ryan Tannehill for me this week. Okay, Ryan Tannehill,
0: um, your number seven quarterback.
1: Yeah. I thought about putting him as high as five just because the matchup is so good. Um, You know, Kansas City terrible defense but outstanding offense so likely a game where tennessee's gonna have to score a ton of points um but Tannehill hasn't really gotten it done for fantasy so far this year he's played all right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um he just hasn't really been throwing for touchdowns at all yeah um, but it feels like this is a week where he should at least you know throw one or two touchdowns and he's always a threat to run one in um you know, the yards have been there both through the air and on the ground. It's, I, I just don't, I don't see him not having a good week at least.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the thing is like the, when I think about Ryan Tannehill, one of two things need to be true. Either you need to be buying low on Ryan Tannehill or buying high on Derek Henry. Because the reason Tannehill's been struggling is he has no touchdowns. And Derek Henry's been taking all of them because he's on pace for 27 touchdowns. So um, I got into a discussion with that this week about, uh, or with Frank Amarante and Sean Foss, um, both tangential friends of the show, um, about, you know, Ryan Tannehill. And the problem is, is that he's less efficient, but he's still throwing as much, he's throwing more. So his numbers are almost the same, except for touchdowns. So either... Ryan Tannehill's touchdowns are going to right size, which means Derrick Henry's are going to go down, or Derrick Henry's going to continue rolling, which means you got to buy high on Derrick Henry because, um, you know, he's not going to score 27 touchdowns, but if you think he is, then you got to get him onto your fantasy roster any way you can. Um, So that you have him at seven, as high as five. How low were you considering putting him, or is it just a five to seven sort of thing?
1: No, I mean, I... You could make a case for him, you know, only in, like, the 10 or 11 spot because he's not, you know, he's not been a QB1 this season. And with all the buys, I don't think you can remove him from QB1 in this matchup and with his prior history. But, um, you know, he's been worse than Jalen Hurts for fantasy, worse than Sam Darnold. So, and Carson Wentz has a great matchup and played really well last week. So, I mean, you could theoretically put him, like, all the way down at 11.
0: Yeah, and um, guys like uh, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, they might be available on your waiver wire. So if you're not feeling good about your Ryan Tannehills, um, you could potentially reach for those guys, and uh, it wouldn't be too out of control. Um, I have Ryan Tannehill in my home league, obviously, because of being a Ryan Tannehill tout. And my buddy texted me, and he said, uh, you know, why do you still have Ryan Tannehill? And it's, I always see a light on the horizon and this Kansas City start was one of those lights. So if he falls apart in this one, I think the ride's over for Ryan Tannehill, at least for right now. Um, Sam Darnold at nine, that's an interesting rank because uh, Sam Darnold outside of his rushing touchdowns has been pretty much the Sam Darnold we saw at the end of the Jets tenure. So you think that the Giants will provide him with a good bounce back, I'm guessing, is is what what uh, what's driving this rank.
1: Yeah, it's a good matchup. Um, the Giants are bottom uh, bottom quarter of the league in terms of fantasy points given up to quarterbacks. Um, they're, they're just not particularly good against quarterbacks. Um, it's a matchup where Darnold will probably be able to run a little bit. Um, I would guess that the Giants are going to be able to slow down the running attack, which would mean that Darnold's going to have to throw to win the game you know the Giants aren't a good football team and they have a ton of injuries on the offense but if they gear up to stop the run they're pretty good at that that's like the only thing they're good at but they're pretty good at that um so I would I would expect it to be a a fairly heavy Darnold week and I can't imagine him going like what was it 17 for 41 again like he did last week I mean
0: uh yes
1: (laughs) yeah that's like that yeah Sandornell's not very good but like that's that's abhorrent
0: mm. here's something interesting uh his completion percentage has gone down in every game this year to the one prior to it yeah I don't think that's gonna continue this week yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think he's gonna go down to 40 percent completions against the Giants so no, I do um not. yeah so uh quick question for you uh rounding out the top 12 here Joe Burrow at Baltimore a more difficult matchup uh uh Derek Carr versus Philadelphia. Right. Um, Both these guys have kind of been bouncing around the back end of quarterback, the quarterback one ranks Uh, Mm -hmm. just for the people at home, because this might be a decision people actually have to make. Um, Mm -hmm. What has Joe Burrow over Derek Carr for you this week?
1: I think Joe Burrow is a little bit better at football right now, and I think Burrow has better weapons at his disposal in the passing game, Um, at least downfield. You know, like Henry Ruggs is a good downfield threat, but he's not as consistent as Jamar Chase. Um, the other receivers, you know, Hunter Renfro is fine, but Tyler Boyd's the same guy. Brian Edwards is fine, but T Higgins is better. Um, does have Waller, but you know, and then the, um, the Bengals are better in the running, in the running game as well. than the Raiders are, I, I would take, you know, and I'm a noted Joe Mixon hater, but I would say he's better than Josh Jacobs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's been a, speaking of Joe Mixon, uh, where did you have him before the season?
1: Hmm. like 13 or 15 or something like that
0: yeah i had yeah he's um just outside just outside rb1 yeah everybody's talking about like oh he's shutting the haters up um i had him 16th i am also a noted joe mixon hater he is currently the running back 16 in points per game so i don't know how many haters he he's actually shutting up right now but um for the thursday night football guys you have teddy bridgewater 15th baker mayfield 23rd um Baker Mayfield not going to be playing, playing this. Yeah, yeah. so um, just slide Case Keenum in there or drop him back behind Geno Smith, Zach Wilson, your 24-25? No, I, I would
1: just put Case right in there. I mean, uh, Keenum is not quite as good of a thrower, but he's a better runner, so should pretty much even out.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's also he's he's a more cautious a uh, quarterback, so it may be a situation where he doesn't bomb it out as much, but he has a lot more seven to eight yard completions, right. and that might get you to about the same ballpark as Baker would have, mm-hmm. you know. But without the you know thirty yard pass downfield, and then Teddy Bridgewater is just a if he plays a high end quarterback too for you. Um, yeah. So let me see here. I think that's it for the quarterbacks I'm looking. Um, I mean, we will not be addressing these Deshaun Watson vailoa rumors. <laughs>
1: I will talk about Tua a little bit, not in sure. that circumstance, but um, a lot of people have him as like a top eight, top ten guy this week, mm-hmm. I'm seeing on uh, on, on Twitter. Um, I, I'd like to see it for more than one game against a terrible Jacksonville team to put him that high. I mean, he's still doesn't have a running game, still doesn't have an offensive line. Um, you know he's either going to have no Devonte Parker or an injured Devonte Parker, so it's really just Jalen Waddell and Mike Gesicki, and that's it. I mean, yeah. I, I and I think Atlanta off a of bye will do a better job than Jacksonville did on defense. So I guess I'm just I guess I'm kind of going the other way, but I'm not I'm not banking on a big two a game this week.
0: Okay. I, I had him as my uh, one of my streamers this week, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's top twelve for me. It's just a uh that's the vagaries of roster percentages right now is to a is under fifty percent rostered and um, of those guys he's not a bad option. Um all right, so let's move on to the running backs, Walker. So, no surprise at the top, you've got Derek Henry. Um, the first surprising name that I saw was Daryl Henderson at three. Was that the most surprising rank for you this week?
1: Uh, I would say the second most surprising rank. Um, Henderson at three, you know, even though I liked Henderson um, right before the season, uh, I had him as a high-end RB, two. Mm-hmm. I would not have expected him, even in Bipocalypse Week, to be the third running back off the board. But Detroit is a bad defense. Uh, the Rams are a very good offense. Henderson has been extremely consistent this season. In fact, last week was the first time he didn't have between 15 and 18 points. And that's because he had like 25. So, oh,
0: okay. <laughs> so So uh, who is the most surprising then?
1: Josh Jacobs at number eight. Um,
0: okay.
1: I I don't think Josh Jacobs is a particularly good Football player um, I, I don't really believe In the Raiders at all But that shows you how thin Running back is right now There's a lot of guys on by There's a lot of guys hurt um, And that leaves you with Josh Jacobs Who's locked into a prominent role In his offense As a top 8 option At the running back position this week Um, It's insane to me too but your options are not amazing this week so if you have josh jacobs and you're like god i'm so sick of josh jacobs fret not this week he's actually a legitimately really good play
0: so yeah i mean this eight through 12 is just like if you traveled back in time to tell week one me that eight through 12 in week seven would be jacobs leonard Fournette, quarter patterson chuba hubbard and Chase Edmonds, I would – uh the only one that would be like, okay, I could see it, would be, I guess, Chase Edmonds.
1: Yeah. would so be like, Edmonds,
0: wow, he, he must have taken over that goal line back role from James Conner, and that's not even it.
1: No, he's just good at football. Yeah. Uh, basically, he has, like, pretty much exactly what I hoped would happen happened. He has, like, a 12% bigger role than last year,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he got better at football over the offseason.
0: Yeah. I like that – Um. You know, it was the the James Connor versus Chase Edmonds thing. It was like my whole thing was like, "What if he's just Kenyon Drake, he being James Connor, and he he kind of is just a worse Kenyan Drake the way that yeah. they're using him versus yeah, he's last just year." Just playing really bad. Yeah. So yeah, you have James Connor at twenty there. So um, I'm looking. Who was your uh, hardest player to rank, and why was it Elijah Mitchell at fifteen?
1: It was absolutely <laughs> Elijah Mitchell. That's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because Elijah Mitchell could have, like, the whole workload and against a pretty rough indie defense. If so, he could easily be a top-five back on the week. Mm -hmm. Um, He could also split touches, and Kyle Shanahan decides that he's going to throw the ball 40 times, and all of a sudden, Elijah Mitchell has five points, and he's RB 52, even though he plays, like, 60% of the snaps. So... I couldn't put him in the top 12 because he was too risky. Um, And then Daryl Williams has a little bit more of a set-in-stone role right now, and Antonio Gibson is just a better football player. So that's Mm -hmm. why I had those two guys ahead of him. Um, Mitchell at 15, just – I mean, you should be playing in this week if you've got him, but I'm supposedly the expert here, and I, I couldn't tell you what to expect from Elijah Mitchell.
0: Well, I'm supposedly the expert and I'm a 49ers fan and I couldn't tell you what to expect from Elijah Mitchell because I'm still not sure because there's he could get a lot of touches and be good. He could be get a lot of touches and be bad. He could <laughs> get very few touches and be good with those touches or get few and be bad. Like all of those are in the range of outcomes. Like Elijah Mitchell has a extremely wide range of outcomes to the point that, yeah, 15 feels like, yeah, you got to play him if you have him, but. You know, who knows if that's going to be useful for you or not. Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Thursday night guys this week. So you have there's a whole slew of guys this week. There's uh, Dearness Johnson, who you have at 22, Dimitri Felton, who you have at 37. And then the two Denver guys who are kind of settled. Melvin Gordon at 24, Javante Williams at 28. Um Dearness Johnson is the highest ranked of the four was kind of shocking to me. Um, could you uh, explain that a little bit? And and could can fantasy managers be confident starting Dearness Johnson? Or is this a, I'm just going to put him here because I don't know where his range of outcomes is going to be, like Elijah Mitchell?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon is the safer play. Like, I would definitely play Johnson over either Javante Williams or Demetric Felton. Um, but... Yeah, Melvin Gordon is the safer play there. It's just... Um, you know, I would expect De'arnest to have a pretty big role. I don't really know if he's any good. Last year, when he had his one chance, he was bad. But, I, you know, we really have no idea. Like, he, he could come out and have the Kareem hunt size role and finish, you know, as a top-10 back. Or he could have... 10 touches for 28 yards and be useless. So, I, because his ceiling is so much higher than all these other guys around him, it's hard to not put him as a top 24 guy. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's a real boom bust type, like, RB2 slash flex.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It... it it's difficult for me. Um, Demetric Felton, uh, just, just talk to people. You're a Demetric Felton skeptic. So I would mm. say that this is a, a good thing for people to hear because I think people are getting too over their skis with Demetric Felton thinking that he's going to be, Oh, he's just going to get this, like the short end of the platoon and the targets and the Jarvis Landry targets and case Keenum's going to dump off to him and, and, and so I think, um, yeah, Demetric Felton at 37, um, is an interesting rank behind uh, Brandon Bolden, but ahead of Kenneth Gainwell um, and and Mark Ingram ahead of Kenny Gainwell. So,
1: yeah, I mean, Fel- Felton is uh, a very poor athlete. Um, very small, he's not going to be able to, to carry the ball between tackles whatsoever. He's not really even playing running back for for the Browns. He's mostly playing slot receiver. Um, Kareem Hunt missed a game earlier this season, and everybody thought, uh, and, uh, or, no, Hunt did miss a game, uh, when Landry went out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Felton had, like, uh, when Landry went out mid-game, Felton caught a touchdown and had some involvement, and everybody was like, oh, Demetri Felton's the slot guy now, he's taken the role after, like, two quarters of work, yeah. and, <laughs> uh, then the next week he had two targets and, like, three fantasy points, um, I just don't think he's very good at football and so I wouldn't play him.
0: Yeah, he's not he's not very athletic like you mentioned. Um, but he does have the kind of like awareness and shiftiness where uh he can have a big play that will trick you. Um like about a month ago, uh, you mentioned that touchdown. That was a a catch and run, so people think that oh, he's this super athletic guy where it's like no, he's just He's, he has good anticipation and decent shiftiness, but he's not the type of guy that you can rely on. He's more the type of guy that surprises the defense. Yeah, uh, I
1: mean, uh, in in that like mold of player, I would much rather play J.D. McKissick, who's in another game where the you know Washington football team is going to be behind a lot, and so he's mm-hmm. probably going to get some run. Or Naheem Hines, who's been mostly bad this season, but is playing the 49ers, who are notoriously bad at covering running backs. So I'd rather play either of those guys over Felton.
0: Yeah. Jamal Williams is still writing his, his overall rank is still writing his week one against the 49ers. That's how bad they are. Like he hasn't been particularly good. um, But on the season, he's still writing what he did in week one. Um, That's how, how much you can rely on the 49ers to give up the, uh, the target. So Going back through here, I'm looking again. I'm curious about Michael Carter at 21 at New England. This is a guy we were both very down on uh, prior to the season. This is a guy that we were both, uh, neither one of us was that excited about. But now he's an RB2, a guy that, I mean, by the numbers is a recommended start. So why don't you talk a little bit about the, I guess, turnaround to have faith in him or what's going on there with that ranking?
1: I mean, a lot of it is due to just how many guys are out right now and then how many guys are coming back from injury or splitting backfields, that sort of thing. Carter is the lead back in New York, um, however much that's worth. Uh, He's... (laughs) Did you hear
0: that?
1: Oh, did my... That That was like a gong sound.
0: Yeah, that was the spring on my mic stand. I didn't realize that picked up.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, I thought it was just like a soundboard effect. Dong, yeah,
0: dong. That, that's that's my uh, Michael Carter lead lead back the Jets backfield noise. It's a gong. Yeah, every noise.
1: time you mention the Jets, you get the 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 dong of doom.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't know that that picked up.
1: Uh, but yeah, I mean Carter Carter's the top guy there, and when they do get down toward the goal line they tend to run because it doesn't seem like they trust Zach Wilson to not turn the ball over, which makes sense based on what you've seen from him so far. Um, Carter's been running for touchdowns. He gets a few targets a game. He's not the most exciting guy in the world, but he's pretty much going to get 15 touches. Um, And, you know, when the Jets get down to the goal line, he's going to be the guy who gets the ball. So, you know, if you're looking, thir- you know, 13 carries for 50 yards and three catches for 20 yards, that's 10 points. Even if he doesn't score, that's playable.
0: Yeah, that's that's something cobbled together for some value. And And honestly, that's more trustworthy than banking on a touchdown because if he's mm-hmm. involved a little bit in every – Uh, facet of the offense then that's uh, um, something you can end up with with a day that you're happy with so uh, last couple questions here I'm trying to find a good guy to talk about in your ranks Um, let's talk about what I feel to be the ultimate betrayal to your values AJ Dillon at 29 and Naheem Hines at 30 I kind of feel like they have like ships in the night their value has passed because Naheem Hines hasn't been getting the touches, but AJ Dillon kind of has. So, why don't yeah. you talk about that a little bit?
1: I refuse to consider AJ Dillon a receiving back, but um, <laughs> yeah, he's touching the ball a lot more than Naheem Hines. Um, yeah. This wouldn't actually be particularly close, uh, except for Hines is playing San Fran. Um, you know, based on his season performance, he'd be down in the Kenyon Drake, Sony Michelle area you know around like 34 or 35 but it's a great matchup so I put him up a little bit to let people know like yes you can flex him this week I wouldn't be recommending it much right now but this week I think it's you know with with all the guys out and with the matchup I think it's it's a good call but yeah I mean Dylan's role is solid Washington's defense is bad um, this is a game where Green Bay could have it wrapped up by, like, the end of the third quarter. And if that is the case, then Dylan's going to get, like, a dozen carries in the fourth quarter to just, like, ram the ball down Washington's throat and bleed the game away. Um, I could easily see Dylan getting, like, 17 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. Um, The problem with Dylan is that he's not good. And Mm -hmm. so he's very capable of just putting up like five, six point duds, even though he's got a somewhat decent role in the offense. Um, But in this matchup, I I think he's a flexible guy.
0: Okay. Sounds good. So um, were there any other uh, running backs that you wanted to highlight?
1: Uh, one guy that's kind of a long way down here, but I think could be a possibility, depending on what happens with other players, is Rashad Penny at 43. Um, in the event that Alex Collins does not play, I think you can probably fire up Penny coming off IR. Um, this is as healthy as, his, as he's going to be. You know, I don't think he's ever 100%, but he's in playing shape again. And he has some ability in the open field. He's certainly better than both EJ Dallas and Travis Homer. So if you're looking for a, a under-the-radar guy who could have a big game, um, I, I would be stashing Penny in the event that Collins does not play.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, the, it's hard to feel good about recommending rashad penny given his track record for injury but the situation that we're in is bleak and he has had some decent games here or decent runs here or there he hasn't had enough health to kind of cobble together really full games, so that's an interesting uh rank and while i was looking at that i saw jeremy mcnichols at 40 i was before we move on to wide receivers just curious about that rank um is there something that I've I've missed on how much he's been used, or is this a Kansas City matchup uh, thing where it's gonna be an up tempo game? I mean a little bit of both. McNichols has like I twenty
1: five or twenty six targets on the season, something like that. Um yeah, he's been he's actually been used a fair amount. I mean, I, I he's his role is just as big as like Naheem Hines is right now. Um it's just the the worry is that you can have a game like last week in Buffalo where Henry's like the only thing on the offense that's working for about two and a half quarters. And so they just never take him off the field. Um, but when McNichols gets in there, he's a weirdly big part of the offense. Like when he comes in, they throw to him a ton. And uh, it's almost like a Chris Thompson thing from way back when, where he would okay. play like 15 snaps and get seven touches somehow.
0: Yeah, they, they'd put him on the field and everybody be like, all right, these are the times where he is touching the football. Yep. Like, everybody would be ready for it. So, okay, that was just an interesting uh, ranking there. So if McNichols is available, which he's widely available in your le- in most leagues, you can go ahead, pick him up and stash him to see uh, what uh, role he might have going forward. That's a guy that's flown under my radar, so I'm very interested in that. Um, moving over to wide receivers, um one guy's jumped off the page for me, but I'm curious about who the hardest guy was for you to rank this week.
1: Mm, hardest guy for me to rank. I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I really wanted to put him a lot lower because he mm-hmm. has not performed very well this year, um, but it's such a great matchup. And Matt Ryan's been playing better. Ridley took his, his his break and he's come back. They're coming off a bye. Miami is in disarray. I, I'm giving him one more shot here. If if he throws up a dud in this game, then he's just not a wide receiver one this season. Um but this is the perfect setup for him and so I you know uh, against my doubts, I I rolled with Ridley in the, in the top
0: 7 again. Okay sounds good yeah it's it's a it feels like a legacy rink uh like a hey i'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt here you are calvin ridley um people can't really get you out of your lineups uh um,
1: I'm, I'm i'm trying to think of who the guy that you're sh- like shocked is so high
0: or, it's or debo what? at four. Oh, really yeah debo at four and actually honestly honestly dj Moore at five both feel kind of they they feel shocking to me, but at the same time, when I, if we look at like season long ranks, it's not that surprising, but Debo at four kind of stands out to me. Just, I don't know, maybe I PTSD from buying in last year to Debo, um, where he was very difficult to have on your roster.
1: Yeah. I mean, right now he's with, with Kittle out, he's the very clear number one option in the passing game. And, uh, but what if, you, what if
0: you snapped and decided that Brandon Ayuk is coming back and traded Dalton Schultz for him?
1: Uh, yeah, what if you did that? That would be a dumb thing to do.
0: <laughs> Anyways, you're a, talking about Debo. <laughs>
1: that'd be a dumb thing to give your league mate who was well ahead of you in the league a free top five tight end.
0: Uh, Pishposh. posh. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, Debo is, you know, obviously is good. They've been throwing him down the field a lot more. Indy gets beat down the field constantly. Um, could This could be Brandon Ayuk week two. I'm not saying that he couldn't have a nice week because he goes downfield a lot. And as Mike says, if, if, you know, if anybody's going to get beat down the field, it's the Colts.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, that's a possibility. Although Indy did a lot better job last week of keeping the ball in front of them. Now, it was against Davis Mills. But they kept Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins in front. They forced uh, they forced Houston to dink and dunk their way down the field, and it was successful. So um, I, I would just expect the volume for Debo to be huge. Um, good chance that he pops a long touchdown. Even if he doesn't, you're probably figuring on double-digit targets. Um, you know his floor is like 15 points here. So you're. Yeah, you know, it, it's it plug and play right now, especially in a good matchup like this.
0: OK, sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I was I was somewhat surprised by that. Honestly, there's there are some surprising guys in the top 12, your wide receiver ones, but more at the back end too. Brandon Cooks, Jamar Chase and Cortland Sutton, a guy that I believe was in the 30s a couple weeks ago. Has I think he's shown us everything that we need to see to make him a must start wide receiver right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sutton, is he's just a beast out there. I mean, he looks great. Um, he He's getting the targets down the field. Teddy has not been afraid to throw in the ball in those one-on-one situations. Um, he's kind of turned into, like, 2019 Kenny Galladay, where he just kind of, he's not the fastest or, like, most athletic guy in the world. He's not slow or, you know, not agile or anything, but he's a big body who knows how to use it. He gets great position. He has good hands. He times the ball really well. Um and he's getting accurate passes from Teddy. It's it's just been a kind of a perfect confluence of things. This is what I hoped before the season would happen. And uh, you know, his it, it took a little while, but yeah, I mean he he's a he's a weekly wide receiver too and he sneaked into the top twelve this week because of all the buys.
0: Okay, yeah, it's, um, yeah, he, sometimes a, a, a wide receiver, he's not the fastest guy, he's not the, the big, most technically savvy, but he's a little bit of everything enough, like you mentioned Kenny Galladay, where he kind of, the package is greater than the sum of its parts, and, and that yeah. kind of feels like uh, Cortland Sutton.
1: Alshon Jeffery is another name that pops to mind when yeah talking about that kind of player.
0: Yeah, Alshon Jeffery was just, he was just big. That was his was just, whole deal. yeah he, he
1: he just he he just knew how he knew how to use his body and he knew yeah. where to get to to make plays.
0: Yeah, there's there's guys who don't play up to their size and there are guys who definitely play bigger than their size and that applies to both Cortland Sutton and Alshon Alshon Jeffrey's is a good cop there cuz it's just like I'm going to physically dominate you um cuz I know exactly how big I am and um I will use that against you.
1: Yeah, they they have good like they they just have like good wide receiver sense. They understand how to play the position and when you have the understanding when when you don't necessarily have the like route running acumen, but you have the understanding of the position that like a Wes Welker type guy has, um, while also having the size of a, you know, Des Bryant type player, then even if you're not a good separator, you can still make a lot of plays just by using your size and your intelligence.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, he is definitely one of those guys. So let's see here. Uh through your wide receivers, we got Marquise Brown at fifteen, AJ Brown. I'm sorry, Marquise Brown at thirteen, AJ Brown at fourteen, Antonio Brown at seventeen. Nice little brown run there. Uh Jalen Waddle at nineteen. That's very interesting because I think Jalen Waddle had a nice uh game last week and it, it felt like very game plan heavy where they were getting the ball out of to, a ha- to his hands as quickly as possible. Do you think that that helped rebuild their rapport that they'd had?
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, Wild can get open very quickly with his agility and, and his acceleration. Um, I really believe in the talent. He's a great player. Um, clearly the best receiver in their room right now. And he and Chua have the prior connection. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that last... that. Um, the week before last was going to be his big breakout week. Um, but with Brissette quarterback against Tampa, it didn't work out. Last week had a huge game in London. This week coming back against an Atlanta team that isn't good on the outside. Um, I just I, I think it's going to be more of the same. I, I think Miami doesn't have a lot going right for it right now, but the 2-0 Waddle connection is going right, so that's not something that they're going to change.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's um, that's very interesting. the 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 shakeups that we've seen, and and I think a lot of this does also have to do with, hey, we're we're out of options in a, in a lot of situations. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the normal guys you'd see ahead of him are are gone. You know, like Deontay Johnson, C. D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, um, Keenan Allen, Ma- Mike Williams. Yeah, there's a lot of guys ahead of him that would be gone. I was trying to decide whether or not to say Marvin Jones. <laughs> uh,
1: that'd be a maybe. <laughs>
0: That'd be a maybe. Yeah. So um, let's see here. So Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson back to back. You have a rub over Darnell Mooney. It's a bad Tampa Bay pass defense. You have him at 26 and 27. I'm just curious. um, The numbers have shown that it's been Mooney with Justin Fields, which you still have. It seems like you still have some faith in Allen Robinson being the number one guy there
1: uh yeah this I mean this might be the last week if it continues to be more Mooney than Robinson then at that point I guess we'll just kind of have to accept that Allen Robinson isn't a part of this offense um but it's just so hard to accept because Robinson's been so good his whole career and for him to just suddenly not be involved doesn't make sense um I think they're both flex guys this week. I, you know, Chicago's pass offense isn't high volume enough to warrant, like, these guys are like, yeah, you got to get them in your lineup. But if you've got them, they're good flex plays because the matchup is so good against Tampa. Chicago's probably going to have to throw um, a little bit more at least. If Allen Robinson can't perform in this game for whatever reason, then... You know, in redraft, it might even be time to just, like, sell low, get off the ride.
0: Well, could you make, like, Saquon Barkley and drop it? Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you're on Fantasy Twitter today, you saw that garbage.
0: Yes. Well, the best best ability is availability, which is why I drop all my guys on bye weeks.
1: Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network is not very good at his fantasy analysis job.
0: No, he is not. Um, So, all right, uh, let's see here. Trying to keep this bad boy about an hour, so I don't want to get in too deep. Um, Tim Patrick at 32. Let's talk about the Thursday night guys. So you've got Cortland Sutton at 12. We kind of went in depth about him. Tim Patrick at 32. Those are your Cleveland guys. And then your Denver, I'm sorry, those are your Denver guys. And then you've got Jarvis Landry at 24 and Donovan Peoples-Jones at 44. But no Odell Beckham. I didn't see anything. Is Jarvis Landry back this week?
1: He's been um, he's been like activated to return from IR. Okay. So the assumption is that he's going to play. Um, I'm not certain that that's the case, but right now, from what I've read, it's more likely than not. With Odell, he hasn't practiced at all. He's currently listed as questionable, but he left the game early on Sunday and didn't return and hasn't done any football stuff since then. So I find it unlikely that he'll play. And even if he does, I feel like he'll be severely limited. Um, People's Jones took over the number one outside receiver role after Beckham left the game and he did pretty well. Um, he's obviously a really good downfield threat. He's an okay route runner. You more uses his athleticism to get open than like intricate ability. But, um, I would expect him to have a big enough role that if you're rolling the dice here, you can throw him in there. Um, probably going to be pretty cheap in DFS too, so if that's an angle that you're looking at, could be a solid play, uh, like in your single game lineups tomorrow.
0: Okay, yeah, on on the uh, yeah the Thursday night slate. I was trying to see. I was looking at the main slate trying to find him, and then, yeah, I forgot it was a Thursday night one. So um, that's the breakdown of of those guys. Uh, Is there any other uh, wide receiver you wanted to highlight before we moved on to the tight ends?
1: Uh, How about Rashad Bateman? Um, Led Baltimore in targets last week in his first ever game. Um, He appeared to kind of work in the short area a little bit more, almost kind of – he's almost kind of working as like a very like traditional slot receiver where he runs slants and curls and quick outs and stuff like that. And if Jackson's got to get the ball out of his hands quick, that's where he looks. Um, Bateman is very talented. He's a good route runner. He's good after the catch. Right now, in I'm in a 14 team home league. My options at flex are, um him or Christian Kirk and right now I have Bateman in there I know I have Kirk ahead of him in the rankings but um Kirk is just a more volatile option whereas I feel like Bateman's role will only increase if anything um or stay or stay similar I would figure that this game against Cincinnati won't get out of hand quickly um I Baltimore should win but I don't think it'll be, like, a huge blowout or anything, so I would expect Bateman to be pretty involved all game, get six, seven targets, catch most of them. Um, I I think he's a solid, like, uh, high floor, medium, you know, low to medium ceiling type guy.
0: Okay. Yeah, that that's a good one, because he's only rostered in about one-fourth of leagues right now. So, definitely a guy he can run out, grab, and even if you can't start him this week, which be nice to have the luxury to go out and grab somebody you can't start this week, um, definitely worth a roster spot, I think. Um, just a guy I want to mention, too, sneaking into your top 50, Nico Collins, rostered in 1% of leagues right now.
1: Yeah, so. and he had eight targets last week, I think, so... I mean, he's very obviously the number two receiver in, in that offense. Um, Cooks is still by far the number one. Collins is the very obvious number two, and then everyone else is getting like three targets,
0: maximum. So, yeah. So uh, a, a a good number two there uh, for Houston, um, whatever that might mean. So uh, let's move on to tight ends. Um, no surprise at the top: Kelsey, Waller, Andrews, Pitts. Um, Gronk five. I'm curious about that because um, what have you seen about Gronk playing this week?
1: Uh, well, they played on Thursday last week, and um, there was buzz that he could return for the Thursday game, which didn't end up coming to fruition, obviously. But um, right now it seems like uh, like 55-45, like they're hopeful that he'll be able to play. Um obviously if he practices and it feel it doesn't feel right then he'll be out and then you would just kind of bump everybody up a little bit and um you know then oj howard and cameron great would both go in the tight end two areas you know that like six seventeen 17 to 21 region but um yeah i mean when he's played he's been outstanding this season and uh That's really it. I mean, he's been really good. Brady loves to throw to him in the red zone. So if he plays, you got to play him.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, um, who was the, uh, the hardest player for you to rank this week at tight end?
1: Uh, Hawkinson, honestly.
0: Hawkinson. Okay. So Hawkinson is your tight end six. So, um, curious, uh, what had you end up putting him there and what, uh, Made him so difficult for you to rank.
1: It was kind of a split the difference thing because like he could be as high as four. Um, he got a lot more involved last week after some a few weeks of rough rough go of it. But L. A. is a really good defense. Um, the Detroit passing offense is so hit or miss because Jared Goff is awful, um, and a lot of the guys behind him either have really good matchups or um, have been getting. More slash better quality targets lately. I mean, you could make an argument for Kasicki, Fant, Henry, Goddard, and Ertz all ahead of him. Um, so uh, I could, you know, he could be as high as four, but he could be as low as like eleven right now.
0: Mhm. So has he entered the blob for you, or
1: not quite? He's still he's still too involved in the offense and too good to drop all the way into the blob, but he's much nearer the blob now than I would have ever
0: expected. Okay. Okay, that make that makes a lot of sense. Is he he's slipping. Yep. Slipping back towards the blob. So um who was the most surprising ranked uh tight end for you this week? Cole Kmed at fourteen. Yeah, Cole Komet, I was looking at everything and I pegged him for a sleeper tight end this week. And I was like, I don't, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but the numbers led me there.
1: Yeah, you had five targets last week. Um, starting to get a little bit more involved. Tampa, again, really good matchup. Um, who the hell else are you going to play? if you're If you're that desperate, I mean, the options are just not good. Um, Komet is like the last guy that is any sort of reliably involved in the offense
0: mm-hmm.
1: and competent at football. Cause like Evan Ingram's is playing a lot of snaps and getting targets, but he's a terrible football player. So um, it's, it's a desperation play. Um, he doesn't have a very high ceiling, but in a game where Chicago is going to have to throw, um and in a game where they're playing a team who's bad at covering tight ends, I would think that you can count on no worse than maybe like five or six points out of Komet. Whereas there are a lot of tight ends on the waiver wire that could feasibly give you nothing.
0: hmm So it's 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 a last last chance you here um, with mm-hmm. Cole Komet, yeah. Because after him is Ross Dwelly.
1: Right. So
0: that, that really feels like a dividing line to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Big Bob Tunyon down here at twenty. Please drop him. He's still rostered in over fifty percent of leagues. I mean, I'll take it. It's a free, free spot in my drop column every week. But
1: (laughs) get him out of here.
0: Yeah, get him out of here. I mean,
1: he's 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 been awful. I mean, he had the one decent game against the Lions because Aaron Rodgers threw an impossible touchdown pass. Um, and in he hasn't had more than ten receiving yards in a game the rest of the season. I
0: think. No, he uh, hasn't had more than that. Because i was, I'm I'm I was trying to see if he or uh, Mercedes Lewis had a higher yards per game. Because <laughs> Mercedes Lewis has played like he he's only gotten targets in four games, which is what threw me off by in the games where he got targets, Mercedes Lewis has been more effective with his targets than yeah. than Robert Tunyon.
1: Yeah, because like thirty seven year old Mercedes Lewis is a better football player than Robert Tunyon is. Yes. Tunyon I mean, stinks. He just got a bunch of touchdowns last year by happenstance
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah he's bad get rid of him you don't want him anywhere near your football your fantasy football team right now
0: yeah I, also don't I,
1: be also i want to warn don't be fooled by moali cox right now yeah i like moali cox as a player but he's getting like two targets a game and he played nine snaps last week
0: yeah um, but he scored a touchdown so i looked smart against houston
1: yeah, yeah. He had the one touchdown and it get, you ended up with nine points out of him or whatever. But yep. yeah, um don't count on it going forward. You got we got away with it last week. Don't count on it again.
0: Yeah, and it was literally just a flow chart thing where if there's a tight end rostered in fewer than fifty percent of leagues and they're playing the Houston Texans, they will be in that article until yeah. until otherwise. But yep. um yeah, I'm not recommending Mo Alley Cox. And this week we get Zachert's um Last guy I want to talk about with you, um, newest Arizona Cardinal, your number eleven tight end. He's debuting against the same Houston Texans who gave Mo Ali Cox that touchdown. So, um, are we trusting this? Or we, if we have him, um, would you go out and get like Ricky Seals Jones, your number twelve, just in case? Like, how, how good do you feel about this rank? Um,
1: you no, know, if I've got if I've got Zach Ertz. Um... Unless unless I've got another tight end on my roster who I have ranked higher than him, um, and most of most of the guys ahead of him, if you have them, you're not going to have a backup tight end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, if you have like Mike Gesicki and Zach Ertz, I'd play Gesicki. If you have Hunter Henry and Zach Ertz, I'd play Henry. Other than that, I mean, I guess if you're a real sicko, you could have Goddard and Ertz on the same team. <laughs> Um,
0: I know a lot of people who have Goddard and Ertz on the same team because Goddard was out with COVID, so they picked uh, up Ertz.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, that one I think could go either way. Really, you know, both are good matchups. Both are going to be the top tight end there. Um, Arizona should score a lot of points against Houston. Houston is actually weirdly okay against opposing receivers for fantasy. They're only giving up like, I think it's like this the seventh least points to receivers, which I think is mostly because you can just gash the hell out of them with running backs and tight ends. So you just don't even have to throw outside most of the time. Yeah.
0: Um, It's, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure what to think. Yeah. I, I don't think that means that Houston's defense is good against receivers. I just, think it's a weird statistical n- noise right now, but um, yeah, Ertz is a good play. Um, the matchup is good. He still has the ability to get open consistently, has good hands. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say he's, they're going to want to get him involved at least a little bit. You can count on no less than probably four or five targets. Um, so yeah, he's got a decent floor and he's got a really high ceiling because of the matchup.
0: Okay. Sounds good. So is there any other tight end that you wanna um highlight?
1: Uh Noah Fant has been very consistent lately. Um even though Denver's offense hasn't been his role has stabilized. He is the number two target currently in the passing offense. Um he is a top probably top nine guy every week no matter what. Um so you can feel comfortable rolling with Noah Fant right now.
0: Okay. Sounds good. So uh, you can check out the rest of Walker's ranks again at footballabsurdity.com. There's a uh, – there will be a link in the episode description to them, but you can also go uh, to the top of the um, website, and there's a little button that says Weekly Ranks. You can check them out. Uh, you can follow Walker on Twitter, at BigDaddyDrix, with an X, D-R-I-X. The website is F-Ball Absurdity. I am Jeff Crisco. K-R-I-S-K-O. We will be back on Friday with Mike Valverde to talk uh, the rest of week seven, um, what we're looking for and everything. So uh, for Walker, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening and have a good one.
1: Go check out where I have Durham Smythe ranked.